Well, good to see everybody. Welcome to the first day after the end of the world. Glad to see you all backside and decide to stay here. Miss the rapture. Hallelujah. No big deal. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But the Lord's good. Amen. Even if there are squirrely people out there, God is still faithful. Hallelujah. I agree with John. It makes me mad when people say stupid stuff and make disparaging comments and get carried away and start making stuff up. We do not need to consult the stars, astrology, divination, or anything in order to understand the Word of God. Last time I read, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and lead and guide us into all truth. Amen? So we don't need any outside help. Amen. Especially from pagan deities. Praise the Lord. So uh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Of course, I would have taken the rapture. I wouldn't have had to blow my oak leaves this year. That'd be nice. <laughs> but I believe, don't misunderstand, I'm being silly and facetious, but we believe 100% in the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord. And it is serious stuff, and it's important that, and part of that this morning is that, that we are all ready. We're walking in a right relationship with the Lord because we live, th- this is the sanctifying part of it. We live under the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he could come at any moment, at any time, in any day, in any age. That's why the apostle Paul said the day of the Lord is at hand. So we've always lived under the imminent return that God could immediately return unexpectedly. And so it causes us to live and to walk circumspectly before God or to walk upright and in right relationship with Him, to keep our repentance and our life and relationship up to date with God. Could you say amen? And so as long as you do that, people can do all their stuff, but uh, praise the Lord. Two other little, or a couple other quick things coming up, and uh, any of you that haven't signed up that would like to, the concourse does start this weekend. Friday and Saturday are set-up days, and then also on Sunday we're tearing down from 4 p.m. till dark. And last year we were all done by dark at, at, uh, on Sunday, so we didn't have to go back on Monday. So that's our goal. Friday and Saturday is set-up, so you can see Tony. And uh, there's sign up in the back, and I'll send a text out to all the guys this week. But that's a great, great, great event. Also, uh, this year, again, we're doing a trunk or treat. And so the information's in your bulletin on that. And you can be a part of that and partner with us and do a community outreach. That'll be in our parking lot here, having a great time. And then also this Thursday is the Teen Challenge uh, uh, benefit and uh, uh, banquet that they're having. They had one last week in Roseville. Pastor Doug hosted that. And then they're having one this Thursday night at Capital Christian Center. And uh, Cameron and Debbie head that up and run Teen Challenge. And we're so proud of you guys. Good to have you and that. And so they're going to be uh, there. Pastor Sue and I and some of us to be down there. So come down. Doors open at 6. They have a silent auction. And it, it, it's very similar to what we used to do for the... Uh, um, there you go. For the Courage House. Amen. Trying to say this and then have a brain freeze right in the middle of it. Praise the Lord. Didn't even get to eat ice cream to get my brain freeze. So with all that, praise the Lord. But uh, that's coming up. And then we also, they didn't have to, on the, the 29th, the last Sunday of October, we're going to have another chili cook-off. So if you think you can cook... Amen. Then cook some chili, and after service, we have a chili cook-off, and have a great time with that. And then make sure you get your devotional. Amen. If you haven't got a devotional yet, there's so much good stuff in there, and so I encourage you to get one. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cole, Sean, and the team. Didn't the worship team do a great job? Proud of our young people. Amen. 
Amen. I love seeing young people worship and ministering in the house of the Lord. When I was their age, I was doing anything but that. Should have got more amens than that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good. Just to make sure nobody's lying in church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. And this morning on Tuesday night, Brother John did a great job. If you missed the messages with Brother John, this is what you can do. You can go to... Uh, uh, if you want to look them up on your computer at any time, but we video our services and then we put them up on YouTube. And uh, so they are there. We edit them and put them back up. So you just have to go to Solid Rock Faith Center backslash YouTube and uh, it'll take you to the page. But you, he did a great job Tuesday night ministering on uh, some discoveries that have recently taken place in Jerusalem. And uh, the title of his message around that was This Changes Everything. And so as I'm praying over my message and preparing this week, I'm trying to figure out how do I share this, how do I bring this about, and uh, what would I use for a title. So I just decided to steal his, challenge, his title. So my message this morning is this changes everything. And uh, it has to do with when truth comes into our life and how we respond to that truth and what the outcome of that is. Romans chapter 12, and it's there in your outline in the New Living Translation, and you can follow along with me. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. How many know you met a lot of people that think they're living right for God, but you kind of go, I'm not real sure about that. Just saying. So we want to live the way that God says is acceptable according to his word. Hear this next part. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many know that's a huge challenge? Renewing our minds, changing the way we view life and live is a challenge. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've already done in our hearts and lives as we've worshipped you and your presence has filled this place and you've touched our life. We pray now that you would be the teacher in this room, that you would open the eyes of understanding, you would bring clarity of insight and truth to our lives so that we too can be conformed and changed into the image of Christ. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. So I want you to think about this. Like I said, this last Tuesday, John Muncy shared with us some discoveries concerning the city of David and the possible location of the original temple in Jerusalem. If what he shared is true, it changes everything. And by that, the, the, the net crux of that was is that you hear in Jerusalem and so supposedly at the Temple Mount, it's been said and tradition says that the Temple Mount is where the, the original Herod's Temple was built and Solomon's Temple and everything's built right there. And so then with the, the, the 67 war and the Muslim getting that part of that territory and the, and the borders and all that stuff. Then they built the mosque on there. So now we have the dome of the rock. And how do we get the dome off the rock on the build the temple and all this stuff. And so we're thinking about all that. And then he goes back through the prophecies that say that not one stone will be left upon another. But yet we're trying to go back and say that that part that we call the Western Wall is part of that. So either that is or the prophecy has not been fulfilled. 
Amen. But then you have to go, wait a minute, this is a lot of what we have tradition and we think a certain way around this. And so now we're hearing something different and they're actually making discoveries in Jerusalem right now. And they found the Gion Spring, which is actually the spring that is under the temple, but it's not under the Dome of the Rock. It's a little bit south, about 600 feet to 1,000 feet south. And so that's where the city of David is and that's where the temple was originally built. So it could be possible if this is true and the discovery is true and everything lines up that you could rebuild the temple and leave the dome on the rock amen and not have conflict and God could fulfill his word God has this amazing thing he's usually smarter than what we figured out but the problem is we like to think we have God figured out and then once we get him figured out when we hear the truth we don't even want to receive it But truth comes, and when truth comes, it changes everything. In Jesus' day, here is the Son of God in their face. They know it, and they know what is happening, and they know what's going on. As I shared in first service, here's Jesus, and they're all uh, 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 arguing about, where did you get your power? What authority do you have? Jesus says, I'll ask you one question. The baptism of John, was it of men or of God? And they go, well, and it says they reason amongst themselves. If we say it's of men, they'll all stone us because they believe John was the prophet. If we say it's of God, then he's going to say, why didn't you receive it? So we're in a problem. We choose to act stupid and live stupid and hold on to our stupid tradition. And that happens to us all the time. And we go, well, how could they be like that? Come on, fans, we're the same way on many occasions. Because change is contrary to what we like. Change always disrupts things and pushes us out of our comfort zone. And even sometimes what we believe. I said this years ago, we were part of, of a different fellowship, and we were in an in, in a executive board meeting, and I just had enough. I said, guys, if we didn't believe what we believe, you couldn't get us to believe what we believe. And there are some things when it comes to our Christian faith, if you didn't believe what you believe, if you had never heard anything about God and we put you on a barren island with nothing but your Bible and you read your Bible, there probably might be a few things that you would not believe that you believe today because you couldn't find them in here. Are you doing all right? So look inside your outline if you would with me this morning. So when it comes to life... How we handle truth when it is revealed is very important. Many times truth comes to us as something we do not want to hear because we've already formed a belief system and have set our values based upon what we think is true or right. If you don't think people have belief systems and they're convinced they're right, just go on social media. And social media, instead of sharing pictures and enjoying life, is turned into the great debate. Everybody's debating everything, and everybody's right about everything in their own minds. Amen. And so what? So truth comes to reset the alignment of my life. Truth comes to reset the alignment of my life, to adjust and to set my sight so that I hit what I'm aiming at, to recalibrate and correct the course of my life. One click at a time until I hit the target. In fact, if you look up the word sin in a Greek dictionary, you'll find out that part of the definition for sin means just missing the mark. Close, but not close enough. Amen? Just missed. And so this morning I was uh, trying to figure out how to illustrate this. And uh, I believe it was the Lord because the Lord loves my sense of humor. Amen. He has to. He gave it to me. 
Amen. And so, and then he likes the fact that I'm kind of squirrely. He has to because he made me that way. Are you with me? And so with that, I figured out this would be the best way to do it. Now, let me just say this. I am a hunter-gatherer. I have no problem going out killing my own food. If that offends you, God bless you. We'll let somebody else kill it for you. You can buy it in saran wrap at the grocery store. <laughs> Amen. I don't believe in hunting. No, I'll just let somebody else do it for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. And people go, well, I'm a vegetarian. Well, God bless you as you kill that carrot right as you jerk it out of the ground. In the prime of its life, when it's flourishing to its utmost, it is rooted, it is just enjoying the soul, sucking it up, and you have no problem just ripping it right out of its existence. You pluck that tomato right off of that vine and suck the very life out of it. God bless your nonviolent heart. I happen to be a vegetarian, a beefetarian, a chickenitarian, and a fishetarian. If there's anything else I can tarry in, I'll tarry in on it too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So the best way I know how to illustrate this morning, I'm going to ask my, my sergeant of arms, uh, Pastor Cole, to come up and help me this morning. So let me just say this. I'm about to... Uh, to, to uh, to, to bring open up a weapon right here. This is a weapon. And so if you have a problem with guns this morning, we're just going to make sure that everything's okay. And so I believe that we have the right to bear arms. Amen. Amen. And to shoot bears with our arms. There's a magazine. So Cole's going to verify that this is a completely empty weapon. All right, thank you, Sergeant. Amen. If you don't know this, Pastor Cole actually was in the Marine, and he was on the president's shooting team. Amen. And he was, uh, he was awarded uh, marksmanship for shooting at 1,000 yards. And he has an honorary commemorative uh, M16, M1 Grand. Signed by President Clinton, presented to him by President Clinton. Amen. Very awesome. So, Gunny. Amen. Hallelujah. But this morning, I want you to see that. So, this is, this gun, I have this, and uh, I have several, but not, uh, this is the only uh, uh, AR that I have. And so, it's one, my son-in-law also is a Marine and uh, out of the service, and uh, so he, he loves building these, has several of them, and said, I just have traditional hunting rifles and stuff, and so he bought me all the makings for Christmas, and, uh, but it came with all the parts, kind of came, if you would, in a box, and so it, there was some assembly required. I don't know how to do that, so I had to go to discipleship. <laughs> I had to get assistance. And uh, so with that, and then I wanted to add some things to it so I could personalize it and make it mine. So I also have investment involved. So it's a gift, and then I have investment in it. Amen? But the issue of this is it's perfect. It's ready to go. It can be used and, uh, and adjusted, and so it has it, and it's fitted to me. And, uh, but with that, I have never shot this weapon. Okay? And so at this point, it's just a nice ornament. And I have this cool scope. I can even turn on my laser. Okay, I can do that. Wow, yeah. Wow. Okay. So I can do that. I, I can, I can uh, 
Oh, in, well, you can't see it, but in, inside in the iris, the iris is actually either red or green, depending upon the light situation, all that stuff. So it's so cool. But you know what? I've never shot it. And if I did shoot it, I would probably miss. So what needs to be done in order for this to be performance, I have to go out and set up a target, and then I have to shoot it. And then depending upon where I am, left or right, up or down, I have to make some adjustments to this to get it to hit the target, regardless of how beautiful it looks, regardless of how perfectly it's put together, regardless of how accurately it is made, was made to be, it still needs adjustment. Or else I could go out and I could shoot it, and I could say, hey, okay, I'll, I'll shoot this, and I'll shoot it, and I'll go what's down over there. And so instead of opening up the area where it's designed to be adjusted at, and going inside and understanding that one click here is a quarter inch at a thousand yards, I mean at a hundred yards. And so I need to make this is for up and down, this is for left and right, and making the adjustments. Instead of doing that, I could just kind of go, well, that was down and to the left a little bit, so I'll just go up and over. <laughs> Why bother adjusting? I can do this myself. That's the way we view Christianity. We wonder why. God has given us a perfect gift of salvation, and it comes to us, but yet there is still some assembly required, and then we invest into the gift that He's given to us, and it becomes our own personal salvation. We develop it so that our walk with God fits us. This is adjustable. If you would shoot it, my, I set it about right there, one click back, so that my, my, my eye is in the right range to the optics here and I can see the full view. You might be a little longer. You might have to have the adjusted all the way back or all the way up in that uh, respect. But in that, there takes that investment. So look at your outline with me this morning. See, I can either make the adjustments required, or I can keep shooting and blame the gun for being defective. I can either make all the adjustments that are required to sight this in and get it to... These are very accurate weapons. They're made to be accurate, and, and they're durable, and so all those things about it. Or else, I can just get frustrated because it isn't working right, and then I can just put it down and leave it and never touch it again, which is what a lot of people do with their Christianity. Because they don't want to go through the process of adjustment. Even though your life was created in God to be spot on accurate. And God has fully developed you and equipped you with everything you need to hit the mark and not miss. Are you with me? It is so important that we get there. But see, as I said, that's a gift. But still, it takes my investment, it takes my participation in getting involved with that in order to receive the results that it was created to bring into our life. So I have a choice. And so for this, I haven't shot it yet, hasn't got out. I have several hunting rifles, so when I go hunting, they're sighted in. But then again, it's been a few years since I checked them. So it could be just because you adjust it once, it doesn't mean it's going to stay adjusted the rest of its life. See, just because you prayed once, let God did do something in your life once, it doesn't mean you're still perfectly aligned today. Because see, if this gets bummed, if this gets jarred or something happened, then if I'm going to go out and I, really, and, and I want to make sure that it's going to be accurate and it's going to accomplish the task that it is designed for, then I have to make sure I have to check before I go. So I'm going to go out and just sight it in. I want to make sure that it's still on sight, that it's still in alignment. If it's not, I want to adjust it. So when the moment comes that I need it to operate, 
it's going to be spot on. Are you listening to me? That's why it's important that you're part of a life group, that you're part of doing more than just Sunday morning, doing more, but getting involved in discipleship and fellowship and growing and spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer. What are you doing? You're keeping your sights focused on the target. You're keeping your life sighted in. Could you say amen? So it's so important to do that in our life. And so when truth comes many times, what truth says is it comes and shows us where our life is out of alignment. And God brings truth to us to get our life back on target. And so it comes in many ways. I just gave three illustrations that I'm going to go through this morning when it comes to, the, to how, how we uh, interact with truth and with God. Number one is this. If the Bible is the Word of God, it changes everything. If this Bible, if your Bible, my Bible, is the Word of God, then it changes everything. It's not just a book. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just like any other book. It's not just philosophy. It is the Word of God. Go with me to Psalms 119. Are you doing all right? Hopefully nobody freaked out over a gun. <clears throat> That's nothing. I brought a chainsaw in here one year. <laughs> I did an illustrated sermon. I went and saw Tommy Barnett. I got all fired up. He said, man, you can do illustrated sermon. This is what you do. He said, he goes, he goes we didn't have a spotlight, so, so, so I took an old slide projector. I cut a hole in a piece of cardboard. I put it in there like a slide, and I made myself a spotlight. I'm going, I got one of those. I could do that. And he goes, and I started doing this. He started, and so I got this illustration about the tree, and if you dig around it and, and, and dung it, then it's a bare fruit, but if it doesn't, then you cut it down. So I did the whole illustration. We went out and got trees. We had one. We hung some fruit on this, and we had this one over here. It looked pretty, pretty scraggly and stuff, and so we played like we were going to fertilize it and dig around it. And then after a year, it wasn't producing anything, so I had this little 12-inch chainsaw, and we used to have altar benches up here. I reached underneath the altar. It was dark in here, and all they heard was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I cut the tree down. People running for the doors. It was cool. Amen. This is nothing. Hallelujah. Psalms 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generation. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances. For all are your servants. Wow. So here David is declaring Psalms 119. He's saying, hey, God, your word is forever settled in heaven. In fact, the heavens and the earth are created and are ordained by your word. So if the word of God, if the Bible is the word of God, it changes everything. What do I mean by that? Then man did not come from evolution. Rather, he is the creation of God. Then there is a moral standard for life to be lived by. How I many know oh, the Bible gives us guidelines and standards to live by? Amen. In fact, uh, Dr. Rice Brooks said this. He said he, when he talks to students on college campuses and stuff, they go, oh, there's so many contradictions in the Bible. He goes, you're right. I agree. It contradicts a lot of what we do. Amen. And so there is a moral standard for life to be lived by. Then there is a right and there is a wrong and accountability before God. If this is the word of God, it changes everything. Secondly, it, but, but then it goes on to mean this means I'll have to recalibrate my thinking a little bit. I have to bring my thinking into agreement with the word of God. Amen? Secondly, if Jesus is the son of God, it changes everything. Go with me to John chapter 1. 
While you're turning there in Matthew 4, verse 3, you could read it. But Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the Bible says the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God. How many know we hear that all the time? Well, I don't know if Jesus really is the Son of God. I don't know about all that. That challenge has has always been there and will be until the Lord returns and settles it all. Amen? Because my Bible says one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? And so, but until then, there's still going to be the question, is he really, could this be? But then John declares this, John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John said, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sin of the world. And this is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Amen? Amen? So think about that. If Jesus is the Son of God, it changes everything. Then He is more than just a man. Then He came into this world for a purpose, to seek and to save the lost, to destroy the works of the devil, to redeem and restore humanity, to right relationship with God. Then He is Lord, and I must receive Him as Lord. What does that mean? If Jesus is Lord, then I must live under His Lordship. I can no longer be a self-willed Christian. To live under His Lordship means that I have to put my life in His hands and He becomes the one who is adjusting my sight. If I'm a self-willed Christian and I'm not under lordship, then I'm just trying to live for God and I'm shooting and I'm missing the mark. But instead of allowing him to make the adjustment, because it's kind of, I don't like, I don't like my inner self being exposed. I don't want anybody to see my clickers. You guys, come on. So I would rather fake it. I could hit the bullseye sooner or later. Law averages, one out of every three million, you might. Hallelujah. Amen. But lordship means I bring myself under his adjustment for my life. Because he's the one who formed me and made me. And he knows the specifications for my life. And he knows just how to adjust me. So I hit the mark every time. Can you say Amen. So think about this. So that's what John said there. And so we live with Lordship. This means I have to recalibrate my relationship with him. I'm changing my relationship with him. Thirdly, if he died for our sins, it changes everything. As we read in John, John said, Behold the Lamb who takes away what? The sin of the world. So Jesus died for our sin. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. Are you still with me this morning? Nobody ran for the door. We're doing good. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things which you are now ashamed? 
for the end of those things is death. But now, I love the but nows of the Bible. That's a fun study. Every time you see one, you ought to underline it in your Bible. But now, having been what? Set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. So if he died for our sins, it changes everything. What's that mean? Then we no longer have to carry the burden and guilt of our failures. He carried them for us to the cross. Then we no longer have to live as slaves and servants of sin, but now we can live free as servants of righteousness. Then we can be born again and have new life in him. Would you agree? So that changed. But in order for that to happen, I have to recalibrate my life and be free. It means that I can, but I have to do that. I have to allow what he's done or else I can keep trying. I can fix this. I can conquer this thing in my life. I can make the adjustment that is needed. I don't need to go through all that time uh, of allowing him to cite my life in, to make all the correction. Just, and think about it, one click at a time. Sometimes it takes a lot of clicks. Change is a process. Say it with me. Change is a process. That's it. So we think, well, I just make this little change. Good to go. Glory to God. I'm good. But then all of a sudden you get bumped. And now you're out of alignment. So what do I do? Well, I just fake like I'm still lined up. No. We'll go back and realign our lives. Think about it. See, just these three simple truths can cause us to have some major adjustments in our lives. If we accept them and respond correctly, making the changes required, we will receive the reward of righteousness. But this also means if it's true for us, then it's true for everyone. Because truth is universal, not singular. And I want you to hear this this morning. Truth is universal. Let's do this. If you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and He died for your sin, just raise your hand. Amen. Look at that. So we've, okay, now, now that's truth to you individually, but, why, but it's also universal. I mean, that's true for everybody. But you know, there's people who don't know that truth yet. The God's word. And, and, and so their life, they're missing the mark with their life. They're doing their best to be good people, to live good life. And, and they want to be free. They don't want to be burdened. They don't want to be addicts. They don't want to be failure. They, they don't want to be in trouble. They don't want to go to prison. They don't want any of the negative that life can seem to impose upon them. They would want to be free and delivered. Could you say amen? amen. But... They don't know it yet, and so when we know the truth individually, we have responsibility to make it known universally. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel, share it. But look at this. So it changes everything in how we live our lives in relationship to those around us. We must recalibrate our lives to reach them with the truth. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message on who will you bring to Jesus? And about our lives being in seed form. And every one of us, your life is a seed. But, but you're not a tomato seed. You're not a carrot seed. You're not a corn seed. You are a people seed. So I wonder when we plant you what you're supposed to reproduce. Come on, if we plant you in the kingdom, you start growing tomatoes, we're going to cast that thing out. Amen, because that's not of God. Amen. But, but your, your life is in seed form to be sown into the soil of God's kingdom. And when it does, that means that there's people, there's a harvest of souls that are on the inside of you, connected to you. And that means that when you receive this truth, 
individually and it recalibrates your life. God opens your eyes to see universally the people that need to hear the gospel around you and you're willing to sow your life to reach them to make a difference so they can be set free as well. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Tim and I went for a walk. We, we, didn't, we tried to go hunting, but it turned out just to be a walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fishing's only, f- fishing's just fishing, but there's a difference between fishing and catching. There's a difference between hunting and shooting. So we were just hunting. Hallelujah. We didn't get to shoot at anything, so today we're having vegetables. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> I know where to pull them up. I know where to murder some of them. They're in my backyard. I can find them. Hallelujah. Amen. But if we'd have found something to shoot and, 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 and he'd have shot and his gun was missing off the side, I'd just go, oh, man, that's a bummer. You're out of alignment. Or if I was missing, how I many know what I'm saying? And so the goal is that you want to achieve the goal. You want to hit the mark with your life. Look at Romans 10 in your outline there. It says, how then shall they call upon him in who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings of good, who bring glad tidings of good things. Let me just say this. My responsibility as your pastor, one is to equip you, to teach you how to live by faith, to walk by faith, to have an individual relationship with God, but it is also to equip you for the universal work of the gospel. That you would go out, that you would be fruitful, and that your fruit would remain. That's why Jesus said that if we abide in him, then his life abides in us. But then after that, then we begin to bear fruit, and the fruit that we bear, bears, it remains, and it glorifies God. Could you say amen? And so with that, that is so important that we get. So my job and the ministry's job here is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, which is sharing this truth that brings God's recalibration into people's lives. So look at the next part of your outline as you would as we get ready to finish this this morning. God is always after the harvest that he has placed inside of us. The Holy Spirit will always be pulling upon you to reach somebody for him. The Holy Spirit will always try to be getting you to come into agreement to reach someone for Him, to allow Him to work through you. And so the question we ask ourselves, who is connected to the harvest inside of you? Who's connected to you? Who is God ordained for you to reach? Each one of us has somebody you can reach. There was a lost pastor job. I don't know who you know. I will never talk to them or reach them or do... Th- I get people upset here if, because I haven't said hello to them for three weeks. <laughs> it, it's a no-win scenario, but you do it anyway. Praise the Lord. And you just keep going. But, but you, you just can't... Re- you, there's no way for one person to reach everybody. It's impossible. J- just saying hello. Keeping connected with people that you do know, let alone reaching other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but you, you can make all the difference. In your world, there's a harvest connect you. How do we do that? First, become engaged with those around you. Become engaged with people. Just think about that. How, so we have guests here this morning, and, and, and it's awkward. Anytime you go someplace for the first time, it is awkward. Unless you're an extrovert like me. I don't care where I'm at. I've always been there before. <laughs> Amen. So I, <laughs> Dana like that. Anyway. <laughs> So, so you can just say hello to anybody. You can meet anybody. I'm happy anywhere I go. Amen. I tried being sad. I didn't like it. It didn't feel good. Some of you get that. Anyway, 
but, but some people, it's intimidating, especially when you come into a large crowd, it's intimidating to be in a new place around people you don't know. So what would happen if you, instead of just being in your individual group, in your individual contact, talking to people you always talk to, thought about, wait a minute, maybe if I engage with somebody new. Maybe if I just started in a place where people are here and they came in, so they must want to know something about it, so I'm not being offensive, I'm not knocking on their door, cold turkey. I mean, come on, this is a comfortable environment. You can grow in here and have fun, amen? So I get out of that, and I go engage with people, and then to desire his presence to be known in the house where you are, the presence of God. And sometimes, in order to have his presence, you, you have to make adjustments and give a place for his presence, Corporately and individually. Amen? And then thirdly, move to break through the barriers that keep people from his presence and their answer. Let's go back to engage. So if you just engage, maybe people, they're intimidated, and God really wants to do something special in their life today, but being there, and you come in, you sit down, nobody pays attention. Pastor Sue and I like to go to church when we go on vacation, and so we'll go to a place, we'll walk in, we've never been there before, they don't know we're on vacation, they don't know we're visiting, or why we're there, and you go on in, it's always interesting to see if anybody greets you. If anybody helps you, you know, are you greeted, seated, and treated? How are you greeted, how are you seated, and how are you treated? And think about this. Depending on how people are seated, greeted, and treated, depends on how they receive the presence of God. And so it's not just up to the pastor, not just up to the usher, but maybe God might use you in a service just like this. When you come in, instead of doing your normal routine, say, wait a minute, I'm going to recalibrate my life. I'm going to engage with somebody. I want to see the barriers taken out of their life because I believe God's presence is going to be in the house today and he wants to show up and break through in somebody's life. And so I, I recalibrate myself to get involved on a new level. But that requires a recalibration of the way we live our lives for Christ and in Christ, individually and corporately. And so it's going to take an exodus out of the old and into the new. Let me just say this. The reward of hitting the target is worth it. The reward of hitting the target is worth it. Come on, if we keep doing Last week with Brother John on Sunday morning, we had seven decisions for the Lord. Hallelujah. Whether it's people giving their life for the first time or just being, allowing their life to recalibrate and be brought back on target with God. Seven people made a decision for the Lord and we prayed for them. Tuesday night, a young man who was heavily depressed and in bondage to drugs came in here, was even thinking about suicide that day. Got saved Tuesday night in youth group. Come on, somebody give God a praise. Amen. But you got to have a place where that happens. That, that, that atmosphere has to be set. The opportunity has to be there. And there has to be an engagement. Are you with me? But it's so exciting when you hit that target. So maybe for you today, there's a recalibration needed as the worship team comes back. Maybe you need to acknowledge these three simple truths. That the Bible is the Word of God. That Jesus is the Son of God, and He died for your sins. See, there's a lot of times, even as Christians, there's sometimes we need to go back, and so much was said in worship, Sean talking about it. I remember them going through that season. I remember being there at the hospital with them when they lost that little baby. And I remember the joy of God bringing the answer to them in baby grace. Amen? 
So God has spoken of His faithfulness to us. But sometimes when we go through hardships, we begin to doubt that this is the Word of God and that the Word of God is true. And I need to go back and recalibrate my life and my faith to the Word of God, not by my circumstances, not by my situation. But bless God, this is the Word, and it is forever settled in heaven, and it's settled in my life as well. I'm not going to doubt God's Word. And Jesus is the Son of God. He is my hope and my Redeemer. Amen. And He's taken away my sins. I don't have to fix myself. I'm not here to adjust my own sight. The Holy Spirit is the one. I put my life into His hand. And I say, Jesus, take me to the range. I got a new song for uh, What's Her Face. Instead of Jesus, take the wheel. She need Carrie Underwood. She can write a new song. Jesus, take me to the range. Sight my life in on the course of life. Aim me at the target. Make me shoot straight. Amen. I might get my dog and my truck back here pretty quick if I keep going. Amen. He died for my sins. He died for my sins. I don't have to fix my life. God will sight my life. But maybe you need that adjustment here today. Maybe circumstances have moved you off of your faith in God. Doubt comes in. Situations rise up. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you need to step back and be honest with yourself. Survey your perspective and choose to make the adjustments of recalibration to complete and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Two things happen in life. I can either say this is the way I've been, the way I've always been, and I'm too old to change. I'll be 65 in May. A lot of people say that, well, I'm too old to change. I'm 65. I'm just going to settle into retirement. I would rather press into refirement than settle into retirement. Amen? And so I'm moving that way. And so I just chose. So recalibration for me began back prior to 2013, but God began to deal with me being independent and being self-incorporated. You know, we're covered. We're doing everything legal and do all that. But it seems kind of weird when you have your own organization, you ordain yourself. I could stand before the mirror. Yeah, I ordain you in the name of Jesus. How many know what I'm saying? So to be under your own covering in that, is not good. So to have authority is another thing. And to have authority, you have to be under authority. So God dealt with me about taking my credentials with the Assemblies of God. So in 2013, I did that. And then it's one thing for me to be individually under accountability, but it's another thing for our church to have corporate covering as well. So in 2014, we actually, our church became affiliated with the Assemblies of God. So we have individual covering and corporate covering. Amen. And so I began that recalibration, that realignment process in my life. And then with that, I'm looking at ministry and how we go. How do you move forward? Well, we've always done things that way. Well, we can't go to another level. How many of we're talking about increasing our facilities and new facilities and seeking the Lord for what that means and the direction of God for that? And we're raising money for that. But then with that, if we build bigger, we're not going to get bigger doing what we've done the same time all, all along. Are you with me? We're not going to win more people to the Lord. So you have to recalibrate how you think and what you're doing. That's change, and that gets uncomfortable for everybody. And so not only are we recalibrating myself, but that means recalibrating our church. And many times we resist change because when you begin to change, it begins to affect the people around you. And it's hard enough for you to go through change, but when they start 
reacting. Then you go, wait a minute, it's not worth it. I would just stay the same. And the devil goes, good, I win, you lose. I win, you lose. Because you're not willing to go through the process. And it does, it takes time. See, this rifle, I have never shot this rifle. It has never been fired in. There's never been one round discharged through that rifle. But I'm going to have to take the time to go to the rain, to sit down. I got to make the investment. I got to buy the bullets. Well, I actually bought the bullet. So, but, I, but I have the bullet. But I got to go do it. I got to make the time investment to do it, to make sure. And then once I do it, I'm going to have to check it again and again. And many times people say, what we do in our life in Christianity, is we go, well, I got saved in December 13th, 1978 is when I gave my life to the Lord. So for 39 years now, I've been walking with the Lord. And I could go, you know what? That one time in that one prayer room at New Life Assembly on December 13th, I'm good for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. No, I could be way off by now. Are you with me? And that's what we see in people's lives. Well, they were serving God. What happened to them? They quit recalibrating their life. They quit making changes. They quit allowing the Holy Spirit to make adjustments. And pride enter in. Well, if I go to the altar, if I pray, if I allow God to continually work in my life, people are going to think something's wrong. It doesn't matter what they think. We already know. But pride keeps me missing the mark. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss the mark with God. I don't want to get to heaven and find out what I could have done. I want to get to heaven trying to do everything I can for the Lord. Are you with me this morning? Stand with me this morning. See, repentance is recalibration. Without it, there can be no change. That's all repentance is, recalibration. See, if, if this rifle gets, out, get, gets knocked out of sight, if the sights get knocked off, if it misses, then there's still nothing wrong with the rifle. It's still good. It's still accurate. It's still made to shoot. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It just needs some adjustment. And if I adjust it, then it moves back in to perfect alignment. Are you with me? So for you and I, you need to remember that. When God's working on you, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. He's just aligning you so you hit the mark. So you don't miss the target. So you hit what you're aiming at. So you reach the goal. Somebody ought to shout amen. Don't buy the lie of the devil. Don't let him lie to you. Don't let him rip you off. See, there's no condemnation in missing the target if you're in the process of sighting in. The rifle, like your life, is designed to be shot and to be accurate and to hit what it's aimed at. But it must be calibrated to do so and periodically rechecked to make sure it's still in alignment. Our lives are no different. They need to be tuned into harmony with God's Word and His purpose for our lives. The condemnation comes after living a life of self-deception, telling myself I can hit the target without ever making any adjustments. See, I believe this is an exodus year for all of us to move out of the old and into the new, to be led by the Holy Spirit, not our desires or our perspectives, but into the promise of God for our lives and our church, to engage the process, to begin the journey to God's expected end for our life, to put everything on the table for change, to get to the place, say, Lord, I'm no longer going to negotiate with you. 
I'm not going to put, I'm putting everything, my whole life on the table. Lord, change it all. Do whatever you, you can adjust anything and everything in my life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you're here today and you need to make that initial change. Maybe today's the day that you acknowledge that God's word is the Bible. His Bible is the word. That Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for your sin. And today you need to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe that's the adjustment you need in your life today. No more goofing around. No more playing around. Today I believe and I declare this is God's Word. Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm receiving His forgiveness for my sin. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and that's you, just real courageously raise your hand up real high. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm making that adjustment in my life. I'm declaring that the Word of God is true. Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm accepting Him as my Lord and Savior and His forgiveness. Thank you, young man. Somebody else, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else needs to make that adjustment? Anybody else? Come on. Today's your day. God's going to recalibrate your life. God's going to recalibrate. Come on, you're going to hit the mark. He wants you to hit it more than you want to. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Real high. Just be bold. Be courageous. Say yes to God. Amen. How many of you like me say, Pastor, I've been beating around the bush with God. I've had all my reasons. I've come up with all my excuses why I don't have to, to put it off to do everything else. But I know God wants me to recalibrate my life. I know that He's not done with me. I'm going to set my pride aside. I'm going to place my hands and my, my life in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to let Him readjust my life spot on target. Today, today, I'm saying yes to God to realign my life. Who's there with me today? Amen. All over. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Now, let me illustrate it like this. I did it in first service. Watch it. See, he's playing right here on the keyboard. And the important thing is, except for this guy, he just hits stuff. Amen. But, but these guys over here have an instrument, and their instrument has to be tuned to him because he's leading. He, he's setting the tone. He's leading. So Kyle gets to be Jesus. He's Lord. He's saying, okay, God, this is the key that I'm playing in. I'm playing in this key. Key of E, is that E? Okay, so he's hitting the E chord. And so then Jake and, 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 and Gabe. Gabe, I can do this. I've only known him for 18 years. Gabe and, and, Gabe and, and Jake, so they can do this. So they start hitting chords. Okay, okay, Jesus, we hear you. Just a second. Okay, play time. Okay, he's out of tune. Okay. Okay. So, but, but watch what. If they're out of tune, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them or the instrument. Because a stringed instrument over time, the strings stretch. Are you with me? They stretch. And then they need to be adjusted. So all they do is go up there and recalibrate. And make an adjust. And then when they play, then they're in perfect harmony. Are you listening to me? It doesn't mean bad guitar. Bad guitar. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that circumstances and time and atmosphere, everything causes it to be. And so then they just retune it. And then you come back and you have perfect harmony. That's what we do to God. Say, God, tune my life. Set me on target. If you raise your hand in any one of those areas, come up here right now. We're going to pray together.